0: Okay, we'll take your Bible this morning and turn to the book of Matthew once again, if you would, Matthew in chapter number seven. We're seeing our Lord's words to his disciples as he separated away from the multitudes and he began to speak to his disciples. The twelve certainly were there by what we can determine. There would be others within earshot of what he's saying, because in the latter part of chapter seven, it says when the people heard him, they were astounded. And certainly his his, uh, disciples were too. But he's teaching his disciples in order to try to reach the multitudes. That's the focus. And so that's uh, Matthew 5. So we've come through what's known as the Sermon on the Mount. And we're, we're basically in this section on the Sermon on the Mount now in chapter 7 and verse 13 and following. Which we might refer to as the conclusion. When he begins the conclusion of his message, leading in, drawing them to a decision. And so we're going to see today two ways. And then uh, next week, God willing, we'll see there's two guides. There's false prophets and then there's true prophets. And then there's two foundations on which you can build your life. Uh, On the sand or on the rock? Well, the choice should be obvious. Right on the rock. And so we're in that concluding statements of Lord Jesus as he's drawing them to a decision. So let's begin uh, now. We, we read last week and saw that he, he has what you need to be his disciple. He does. He has what you need to be his disciple. Sometimes we look at verses 7 through 11 almost as though a, well, just a blank check. Just ask whatever you want to and God will give it to you. Well, that, that would be an abuse of the text. Um, I don't think it's an abuse of the text to say, God, I'm, I'm out of money and I've got bills coming up. I'm asking, I'm seeking, I'm knocking, because that does have to do with you being his disciple, that you'd be responsible, and so there's a way to apply it. But the context of it is, I really want to be his disciple. I really want to follow him, and I just don't have it in me to do it. Well, ask him, he has it, and he can give you what you need to be his disciple. You seek him and he'll help you, and you knock and he'll open it up to you. Because he's good and he can only be good and he'll give you what is good and beneficial to your life. So that's what we, we well, we took 45 minutes to 50 minutes last week to preach what I just preached in less than two minutes right there. So <laughs> now we, t- we come to verse 12. I'd like to read verse 12. Um, to be honest with you, I, I, I got in such a preaching frenzy last week that I forgot to f- cover verse 12. Any other preachers ever do that? You leave something out? That's why in pastoral ministry, it's awesome. You get to come back and finish the sermon. And so we'll look at verse 12 just briefly, really on our way to verse 13 and 14. And so uh, let's read verse number 12 now. It says, "Now, sorry, it says, Therefore, all things whatsoever you would that men should do to you, do ye even so to them. He had just got finished talking about Whatever you ask, ask, whatever you need, God will give it to you. So then when you see that others have a need, then you, just like God's been generous to you, you ought to be generous with them. Okay. Uh, we know it oftentimes as the golden rule, uh, do to others as you would have them do to you. All right. And then he says this, for this is the law and the prophets. Everything is summarized right there. The law and the prophets. Then he says this, verse 13. Enter ye in at the straight gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many, he says, and many there be, which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate and narrow is the way which leadeth unto what life and few there be that find it few that be few there be that find it or if there's more people out of church or in church today in Oklahoma City or if there is he said, broad's the way, wide is the gate. Wide is the gate, broad is the way. That lead to destruction. This morning, I um, hope to get this across. Here's the title. According to Jesus the King, who is laying things out for his disciples, there's no middle ground. There's not a third gate. You're either on one way or the other. No middle ground. In a world of many choices, there's really only one. In a world of many, many choices, there's really only one one which road are you on today which road which way father i'd like to pray just one more time and ask you to help this passage has been a pivotal passage in my own personal life and really in all of our lives those that would choose to be your disciple and so i pray to get this across now i i don't know lord If everyone here is born again, I would pray for those who are not that they might be brought to repentance. We know your word has made clear that you would have all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. You're not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And so I pray today if there's someone here that is watching by live stream or that is in the service today who does not have that absolute assurance of salvation, I pray, dear God, that You would convict them of their sin, of their lack of righteousness, and of the judgment to come. And God, then, for those that are saved, that, Lord, they'd understand that as You're speaking to us as Your disciples in this passage, how this even relates to us even today in our Christian lives. And so, God, I I pray for your help. It can only be done with with your grace and by your strength. And so we pray for that in the precious name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. No middle ground. As uh, people living in the United States of America, we have an incredible amount of choices. I mean to tell you, options galore. Of what? Name it. Anything and everything nearly. So uh, Angie and I got to fly to Kentucky this uh, past Thursday and came back yesterday for an ordination service on Friday. Trevor Reynolds uh, was ordained to the gospel ministry. And, and so we grew up around them and so that's the purpose of our trip. And, and so um, uh, airlines are back to serving you know beverages, that's a blessing and pretzels. <laughs> so here comes the stewardess and wanting to know, you know, what do you, what do you want, you know, to drink? And and it's it's not narrowed down to just a couple. I mean, there's all kinds of things. I mean, even on the plane that you have options of, you know. And if it's in the morning, I generally drink just coffee, just black, just straight black coffee. And and um, and then uh, there's other ways to do coffee. But anyways. Um, There's a narrow way and there's a broad way. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So many choices, you know, if it's in the afternoon and such. I mean, sometimes, I mean, you, you know, you'd need coffee in the afternoon, too. But anyways, you know, I mean, there's just there's so many choices. You go to the cereal aisle. I mean, any grocery store. Oh, my soul. So many different choices. Brother Trevor and I got to get together for breakfast and kind of went old school. And I said, man, I haven't seen a, what I call Shoney's Big Boy. I don't know how you know it, but Fritch's, you know, sometimes it's that name. So it's in the South, you know what I'm talking about. But um, anyways, a breakfast buffet. There's some around here. There's one in Branson, Shoney's. And so, but I hadn't seen the breakfast buffet in a long time. Mercy sakes alive. That won't help your health. But <laughs> all kinds of choices. Car lot. Uh, I mean, the mile of cars, right, in Norman or out in Dell City, Midwest City. I mean, just miles of cars. I mean, just all kinds of vehicles that you can pick from. Churches. All kinds of churches. All kinds. I mean, all kinds of denominations and groups and gatherings and temples and synagogues and Places of worship and centers and religions. I mean, you add to that world religions and, and religious leaders and, and uh, rabbis and, and imams and, and preachers and pastors and priests. And I mean, it's just it's almost mind boggling. It just seems like there's so many choices. There's only two. Wait a minute, you just kind of—you disrupted everything you've been saying. No, there's really only two. There's really, you, but, but you said there's all these religions and all these churches and all these groups. No, Jesus said there's really only two. When you boil it all down, there's really only two choices and there's really only one right choice. Well, that's rather narrow. Don't you know this is the 21st century and this is 2021 and broad-mindedness is the way of the day. I mean, I just heard in Sunday school class that even that Harvard has, has uh, hired a, a, uh, a chaplain who's an atheist. Wow. Harvard. That was founded as a school to train preachers. I don't know the backstory to all that, but there's broad mindedness, open mindedness. You need to open your mind to all kinds of things. That's the mantra of the world. Just be more open minded. We've opened our minds so much that our brains have fallen out, beloved. (laughs) Jesus is straightforward. Jesus is, many would say, very exclusive, very narrow-minded, and and he is is straightforward in a broad-minded day to this day. I'd like to elaborate on the parts, but if you just look at the text, he says enter. There's a a main verb. It's It's an imperative verb. In other words, he's bringing you to a choice. He's in his conclusion. We've already mentioned that. Um, I heard about a, an individual that in a country church, he, he, he only started showing up when the assistant pastor was preaching. For weeks, the man would only attend when the assistant pastor was preaching. And young assistant pastor, and finally the pastor asked him, now why do you only show up when the, when the younger uh, assistant pastor is preaching? And he said this, well... He said, when he says, and in conclusion, he does conclude. (laughs) And when you say, lastly, you do last. You keep going. (laughs) Jesus is in his conclusion. And he's drawing men to a decision. And so he says, enter. It's a choice. Enter in. You will not accidentally end up on the narrow way. You won't. It's a choice. He says, enter in at the straight gate. Now, again, I, this is going to feel like I'm going to preach the sermon twice because I'm hitting some of these definitions. But, and we're going to elaborate on, on it in just a moment. But I, I want to try to define some of it here early on so that we're all understanding the initial words of Jesus as what he's, what he's saying. He says, enter in at the straight gate. The word straight, of course, means very narrow, constricting, extracting, um, very tight enter in at the straight gate. So I thought about it. I mean, you know, the door to our house or a door to a house is is narrow. Um, just uh, even yesterday, I mean, we're we're getting in from a trip and and then we're going out, you know, to eat and and so we got people coming in from the garage and people coming out, you know, to the garage getting the car and and a lot of coming to go and going, putting suitcases up. You know what I'm talking about? And and so Trevor was coming in. Angie's putting clothes in the in the uh, in the uh, washing machine and I'm coming in. I mean, we had a little we had a traffic jam in the laundry room, you know what I'm talking about? It's narrow. It's just got that one narrow door, it's not a big wide area. area. I thought about the, uh, the gate going out to my grandparents' garden, you know, and does that conjure up that metal gate in your mind? So you got, you got it in your mind? I mean, you had the big cattle gate, you know, that would open, but this is just a small version of it. It Looked the same way. I don't know how to describe just metal sheeting kind of thing. And it would just open up and just one person could go through, you know, not a big bunch of people, but just one, one at a time, please turnstiles. Turnstiles. When I thought about turnstiles, of course, you think about maybe going to a ball game or a theme park or something like that. Or maybe you think about going on the subway. In my mind, I went back to Chicago. When we went to Chicago for the first time, we were going, getting on the L. And, and you're going through the turnstile, you know. And, I mean, everybody's behind you and wanting you to go faster than what you humanly can, right? <laughs> just one at a time. And you got to make that ticket work, you know, for you to get in, right? It's just one at a time, please. Turnstile. It's narrow. Um, you can't go in together, (laughs) right? Just one at a time. I thought about uh, Silver Dollar City. It's probably my favorite place to go with the family in terms of a theme park and a little bit more family oriented than a lot. But the main point I wanted to make is that you can go down in the cave. I don't know if you've been down in the cave on a hot day. It's a great place to go on a cold day. It's a good place to go, but. But anyways, down there, I mean, it opens up. It's pretty. It's, it's pretty big on the on the inside. This cave is. In fact, if I remember right, I think they even lifted a hot air balloon down there in a certain part of it. I mean, it's really it opens up big time. But but at the very entry of it, they even have um, about the size of the pulpit. They have a a mock uh, wooden cutout of. Some of the passages that you have to go through, and, and watch this, it's really narrow, you have, to, you have to get low to go through it. Are you following me? You, you, you've got to get low. And watch this, they want you to know up front, before you choose to go down there. I said before you choose to go down there, you've got to know up front, there's passages in here that are really narrow. And that you have to stoop to get into. Jesus is wanting those that want to be His disciples to know up front you're gonna have to humble yourself here. Amen. You're going to have to get in. Th- you, can't, you can't come in a bunch of you at one time. It's one person at a time. We'll get to that in just a moment. But, but he's saying, listen, this is really narrow. This is a narrow passageway. I'm not broad-minded like the Pharisees are. I'm not broad-minded like the Sadducees, the, the, the religious liberals of the day. I'm not broad-minded like uh, others are. I'm not broad-minded like Herod is. I'm not broad-minded like Pilate is. I'm not broad-minded like, like those that are in sin are. I'm not broad-minded like that. You've got to get humble. To people that are used to having all kinds of choices, the words of Jesus seem rather confining and restrictive. I thought about it yesterday as we were coming back on the, through the airports, especially as we came through Dallas. The concourse, we were in concourse B and going to C or something like that. And uh, man, you know, a big concourse, about twice the size of the platform or so, something like that. I mean, big, big, wide open passageway at certain points of it, at least. You see all these people. You see them coming and going all walks of life, all religious backgrounds. Listen, every single one of them, a living soul that has a body a living soul that will spend eternity somewhere. And every one of them have an idea. They have thoughts. They have values. They have beliefs. And, and many of them, I, I'm just saying, given the words of Jesus, I don't, I don't know how else to say it except just to say this. If, if Jesus is right, and He is. The vast majority of those that I saw yesterday are most likely on their way to hell. Some of them may be believing that they're on their way to heaven because of? And they mention something in their life. How about you? Many would say, you you can't be so confining. There, you need to be more pluralistic in your thinking. As long as somebody's sincere, they're okay. It doesn't matter what they believe. It doesn't matter what you believe, as long as you're sincere. That's the mantra. That's the prevailing idea of the day. Am I right about that? I mean, that's I know that's not the prevailing idea in here. i I'm, I, I get it. I understand that. I understand that I'm preaching to the I'm preaching to the choir today. I understand that. I, I get that. I understand that that this is how it is in here. We understand, we understand that truth is naturally limiting. It can't be otherwise. Everything can't be true. No, it can't. It, you can't say, well, everything is true. You can't say, explore your passion, live your truth, not and be his disciple. Amen. Live your truth. You're like, you have, you have your version of truth and I have my version of truth. Today, we're preaching in a very postmodern society, a, a pluralistic society, a society that says, hey, it's just whatever you want to believe and it's Okay. As long as you're sincere, who am I to bother you? As long as it doesn't hurt anybody? Who am I to say you're wrong? Who am I to say that that belief is wrong? Who are you, preacher? Who are you to say that, that those that are, that are in Islam, that the vast majority of the people in Afghanistan today are on their way to hell because they've never heard of Jesus Christ? Who do you think you are to say something like that? Who do you think you are to believe that that if somebody has not uh, trusted Jesus as their Savior that they're going to hell? Listen, I'm not anybody. I'm not superior to anybody. and You're not superior to anybody. Are you listening to me? There's only one that's superior and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. And we better listen to what he had to say and go with what he said regardless of how it flies in the face of modern thought. Somebody says, as long as somebody's sincere. Well, what if what if this glass here was a glass of cyanide, and I I said, "Well, I'm I'm sincere. I believe it's water." I take a drink of that poison. Doesn't matter how. Now this is water. (laughs) Strictly an illustration. Look, it doesn't matter how sincere a person is. What matters is what, what they are believing. The content of your belief today matters immensely. It's the difference between heaven and hell here. This passage has been so pivotal in my life. I prayed it just a moment ago. It's actually the passage that was taught when I got saved. When I trusted Jesus as my Savior. Forever and eternity, I'm indebted to Miss Melinda Carson, who taught our um, primary church class that there's a broad road that leads to hell and there's a narrow way that leads to heaven. And God spoke to me as an eight-year-old boy and showed me that you're on the wrong road. And when she asked, how many of you here today don't know that no Jesus has your Savior? I raised my hand and said, I don't know that I'm that I'm saved. I know I'm on the wrong road. In fact, when I prayed, here's what I prayed. In the simplicity of my heart as an eight-year-old boy, God, I'm on the wrong road. Would you save me and put me on the right road? That's what I prayed. You say, well, you had to say, I repent of my sins and place faith in Jesus Christ and I believe in the kenosis of Jesus and I I believe in his hypostatic union. No, I had no clue what a hypostatic union was. I had no idea a lot of things about theology and, and things to come. I had no idea about that. But here's what I knew. I was a sinner and I was in trouble with God. And I knew I wasn't on the right road, but right there I also knew this, and I'd heard it all my life, but that day, friend, that day it it, it came to me in a very personal way. It was like I was at the turnstile, and it wasn't like my mom could do it for me that day. It wasn't like my grandparents could go through for me. No, they already had come through. I was at the point where I had to humble myself and say, dear God, there's no way that I could save myself. Would you save me and put me on the right road? And that's what he did. How about you? Have you come through that gate? Have you come through that narrow way? You can't go through Buddha. You can't go through a priest. You can't go through world religions. You can't go through Christian religions. It is not in church membership. It is not in you trying to be a better person and stop doing what you've been doing. It's not in any of those things because that, my friend, would be an insult to God who provided the only way of salvation. That would be an insult to God in this way. It would be offensive to God to say, I've come up with a better way than you. I'm going to go around the other way. You're a thief and a liar. That's what Jesus said. He's a thief. If you come up any other way, you're a thief. You've got to come through the door. And Jesus said, I am the door. Amen. I am the door. If you've ever seen in, in Palestine and in Israel, there's, there's a, the, the sheep fold. It would be made of, of a rock ledge, maybe about that high, so sheep couldn't jump over it. And, and then it has a, a, an entryway and open and not, not like a gate like this. But actually what would happen is that the shepherd himself would sit down there in that doorway and protect the sheep. And thus, when Jesus said, I am the door, you've got to come by me, that's exactly what he meant. You can only come by him. My father's house are many mansions, if it were not so, I would have told you, Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And the way, you, the way, and whether I go, you know, and the way, you know, Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whether thou goest. And how can we know the way? Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Neither is there salvation in any other. For there's none other name given under heaven among men whereby we must be saved. It's only Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, friend, there's not a plan B with God. There's not a plan Z with God. There's only one plan. It's a pivotal passage in my life for that reason, but then also in the terms of discipleship. One of the most memorable times I heard this passage preached, and I was so um, naive to what was going on around me in many ways, I was a junior in Bible college, 1997, May the 21st, I do believe, a narrow-minded preacher from Oklahoma, in fact, from Southwest Baptist Church, came and preached in May with a whole bunch of preachers there, some that were going left and some that were staying straight, And a narrow-minded preacher came and preached on the broad way and the narrow way. And I'm telling you, friend, he laid it right there on the line. It's a historic message. I didn't understand all that was going on. I realized and saw how that music was shifting in Baptist churches and how that Bible versions were shifting and how a lot of things, ecumenical uh, separation was shifting. People were starting to cooperate. This is back in the day and time of, mercy, this dates us all, doesn't it? Of the promise keepers and getting involved with people that had little to no theological standing. Are you listening to me here today? And there was this shift, this, this basically this push for, broad-mindedness, more openness to all kinds of ideas, and let's just all join hands and sing kumbaya. And this narrow-minded preacher from Oklahoma didn't want to sing. And we all needed to hear it. And some of you are there, And I remember people, some standing up and saying amen, and I heard others heckling, booing, hissing. (sighs) What, 20 years old, somewhere right in there, 21 years old, maybe? Mercy, what's going on at my college? Somebody was preaching the narrow way and not everybody liked it. You say, well, which, which one does this apply to? Well, I understand that, that consideration and that discussion because is this about salvation or is this about discipleship? He's speaking to his disciples. But, but we need to keep in mind, actually, back in chapter 5 in verse number 20, he said, except your righteousness exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you should not enter into the kingdom of heaven. So it's obvious here and also in the latter part of the chapter as he talks about those that say, Lord, Lord. Did not I do great works in my name? Now, I'm I'm paraphrasing here. Lord, I did this. Lord, I did that. And Jesus said, I never knew you. So salvation is definitely in the context of this as he's speaking to his disciples, but it also has to do with your discipleship. It has everything with the way that we think. It has everything with it to do with the way that we believe and what we believe and also the way that we behave as his disciple. And he's saying this, he's saying to those that would be his disciple, there's only one way of salvation. And when you choose to follow me, then that naturally puts you on a very narrow path. So I believe there's application that we can find even for both. can't just admire Jesus' words. He brings you to a decision. He calls you to a whole other level of living. Some misunderstand verse number 12. You thought I wasn't going to hit it again and come back to it next week, right? Well, don't do unto others what you don't want them to do unto you. Well, that's a good starting place. Don't cut people off because you don't want them to cut you off when you're driving. Don't, still, don't, don't borrow somebody's tie in the dorm without asking because you don't want somebody else to do that to you, right? And don't take somebody's last Pop-Tart. That's wrong. I mean, it's just right there in the Bible, friend. Don't do that. That's just not right. And so we understand that. But you can legislate that. Don't steal a car. Well, that's a real good place to start in your Christian life. I mean, just let's start with the basics. All right, but you can legislate that. But here's what you can't legislate. Go out of your way to help somebody else. Forgive someone who has hurt you. (laughs) What if you got issued tickets because you hadn't been forgiving? What if you went to jail because you haven't forgiven your brother? Let's go. You didn't you didn't help somebody in need. See Jesus didn't say don't just he didn't say don't do that which you don't want others to do to you. He said this, do to others. It's proactive. Do to others what you want them to do to you. And that comes from a right heart. I'm just I'm just telling you it all ties together. It's narrow way of living. It's narrow way of living that actually leads to life. That's right. Um the broad way of living, that'll kill a marriage. That'll kill, in fact, this section is about human relationships. And if you're, if you're saying, well, I'll do that to him, or I'll be nice to him when he's nice to me, you're killing your marriage. You're killing it. What, what, what do you expect me to do? Watch this, get low. Because if you're going to be his disciple in marriage or in parenting or whatever else, you've got to be willing to humble yourself and go in and leave some stuff out. I believe that's a lot of what Jesus is saying when he says, enter ye in at the straight gate and and, and not to go the broad way. Because watch this, the broad way, you can bring anybody in there you want to, and you can bring anything in there that you want to. But when you come in the narrow way, there's things that have to stay out. A bad attitude has got to stay out. A heart of, of unbelief has got to stay out. And lust has got to stay out. Anger's got to stay out. And hatred's got to stay out. And you've got to get low. You've got to stoop. You've got to confine yourself. You've got to, you've got to refrain from doing what you'd like to do in that situation. To stoop. To stoop. And to follow him in that narrow passageway. Right here behind this behind this baptistry. many of you maybe wouldn't know that, but there's actually a very narrow passageway that's, I don't know, maybe it's, it's le- definitely less than normal. And I'm not saying you have to turn this way, but you, you certainly are the only one going through to pass from that side to that side. And, and Jesus is saying, listen, you've got to be willing. You, you can't just bring your ideas into this. You, you can't bring your thoughts into this. You've got to live by my thoughts. And, and so really, remember, this is a conclusion. I mean, this is coming to his, his his central idea, and he's calling them to a decision. And all that he has taught in the Beatitudes, and all that he's taught in chapter 5 about the, the scribes and the Pharisees and the religious ways of life, and yet their, their corruptness that was there within them. And, and then in chapter 6, how that they put on a big show. I mean, they just put on a big show to get everybody's applause. And Jesus got to, is saying this, you've got to leave all that out if you're going to be my disciple. Are you listening to? to me here. And then if you're going to be worried about your finances and, and living a secular life and you're trying to get all the gusto that you can get in this world and you're living for the here and now and you're forgetting about things eternal or, or you're living and you're worried about things and listen, I'm telling you, you've got to leave the worry out and you've got to live that secular life out. You can't follow that and be my disciple. It's narrow. You've got to stoop. You've got to leave a judgmental attitude out that, that's not going to allow you to be the help to others that you want to be. I'm telling you, just everything that he said has come right to this point where he says, it's on the line now. It's your choice. The broad way that has no curbs, no boundaries, no restrictions, or the narrow way that says, I've got to limit myself. Or I should say it this way, I've got to let him near, limit me. But here's our problem we don't like to be confined, we don't like to be limited. We want our space. Well, there's a bunch of people living that way. Hollywood's going the Broadway. Our government's going the Broadway. Neo evangelicals are going the wrong Broadway. Broad mindedness. The drinking crowd's going the Broadway. Country music, rock, rap, and alternative music crowd, they're going the wrong way. And then the copycat Christianity music. Go on the Broadway. I got that from that narrow-minded preacher that preached up in 1997. Hey, just whatever you want to do. Whatever you want to believe. But truth limits belief. And truth limits behavior. And in all the choices in the world, there's really only one. Jesus Christ. Do you want to be his disciple? Do you want to be his disciple? Then if so, you're going to be narrow minded in what your beliefs are. And you're going to be narrow in the way that you live your life. But some will say, I don't want to give up all my choices. I don't want to give up all my options. God has provided only one way to heaven. Man has invented many ways to hell. Everybody get that? God has provided only one way to heaven. Man has paved many roads that lead straight to hell. You need to know that. You say, "I thought the Bible said all roads lead to heaven." Nope. I never forget right, flying back from from uh, Montreal, coming through Chicago, and and uh, the lady that I flew beside uh, from Montreal to Chicago, very liberal-minded, and um, so when she found out I was a Baptist preacher, we had quite a conversation. And she told me, I you know, tried to witness to her, and she said, listen, I don't believe there's anything that's called sin. I don't believe there's any sin. That's, sin is just something that people have come up with to try to control behavior of others. I said, well, the shooting that has just happened this weekend in Ottawa, Canada, was that wrong? Oh, yes, that's wrong. Oh, that's wrong? Yeah, that's wrong. Well, why is that? Well, because it hurt others. So that's sin. Ah, oh, she said. Good point. <laughs> <laughs> but then she said this. She said, I believe that, you know, really, doesn't matter what you believe. I'm kind of into trans- transcendental meditation. A little bit of yoga and I'm just I'm just open to all kinds of ideas because ultimately we're all just going to go to heaven and it's all going to be okay. So I um, you know, we had quite a a conversation after that. And so as we're getting ready and they're beginning to descent, and everybody's getting ready to to go I looked at my ticket and it gave me the next gate that I'm supposed to go to, to go from Chicago to Oklahoma City. And I said to her, and she, I forget where she was flying um, next to see some of her family in the states. I said, now, uh, what gate do you go out of? And I looked at her ticket along with her, and it was blank. And I said to her, oh, well, <laughs> now I wasn't as sarcastic and <laughs> like I'm being right now, okay. But I said, look, you can just pick any gate you want to, because let's, let's say she's going to San Jose, because all gates, all gates lead to San Jose. And she looked at me and said, hey, I see where you're going with this. Look, we're not talking about going to San Jose. We're not talking about going to Rome. We're not talking about going anywhere else other than this. We're talking about going to heaven. And Jesus said, there's only one way. There's only one gate and it's a narrow way. In other words, it is by its very nature exclusive and it is by its very nature personal and it's just one person at a time and you must believe that, you must enter that if you're gonna go to eternal life. Otherwise, you're on that broad road, that wide way, that wide gate that Jesus said leads to destruction. Jesus I just read it in my devotions in Luke chapter 16 as he's addressing the Pharisees that were that justified themselves but they were an abomination in God's eyes and he told about a rich man that lived sumptuously every day and he told about a beggar that lay and, and the dogs even came and licked his sores but that man knew the Lord as his savior and he went to heaven the rich man went to hell and right now he's burning in hell. And you'll spend eternity either in heaven or hell. And it all depends on who you trust for your salvation. Jesus here is exhorting you to enter in at the straight gate, to repent of your sin, to to leave that life behind, to, to leave those beliefs behind, to say there's no one that can save me except Jesus. Repentance toward God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And the Bible calls that, the result of that rather, the new birth. Because then you're born into God's family. Enter in at the straight gate. Because there's only one way. And nobody else can do this for you. You must personally trust Him as your Savior. And then once you have trusted Him as your Savior, it does not end. What I mean by that is you're sealed to the day of redemption, you're saved. No change in your status as a son or daughter of God. No change. Forever God's child. Praise God. But you must make this decision every single day. Am I going to go the broad way? I'm not talking about you get back on the road to being lost. That's not what Jesus is saying. But he's saying this, listen, it not only applies to salvation because truth limits belief, but also this truth limits behavior. And if you're going to be my disciple, you can't go the way of the religious world and you can't go the way of the atheistic world. You've got to go my way. Because truth matters and it limits the way that you live. Why would somebody limit the way they live? They live Well, why do athletes do that? I mean, they restrict what they eat and they restrict how much time they spend with friends and family. Why? So they can reach a goal or a milestone or have a personal best, whatever it may be. Why do people do that? Why do, why do people restrict their sleep to go fishing? They get up early in the morning or hunting or whatever. Why do people do that? Why do business leaders restrict themselves and, and, and spend a crazy amount of time at the office? It's because they're going after a goal. Then All those are saying, something is worth the effort. I'm asking you today, is Jesus is worth the effort of you going in the narrow path and limiting your life and saying, I realize the world is doing these things, watching these things, hearing these things, saying these things, going these places, but as his disciple, I'm going to stoop and I'm going to be humble and I'm going to walk in that narrow path and it leads to life rather than death. I'm asking you, how much does he matter to you? Is he worth it? He is worth it. God's provided only one way to salvation. Man has provided multiple ways to hell. Have you trusted Him as your Savior? And if you have, are you allowing the truth that He gave us here to so shape your life to keep you on that straight and narrow path? Don't get broad-minded in your Christianity because your Savior is not broad-minded. He's not mean, He's not hateful, but He's not open to just anybody's ideas and you ought not be either if you want to be his disciple. Let's stand together here today. When I was growing up, where our house was, the road came to what we called the Y. The Y. We live to the left here. When you come to the Y, you can only go one or two ways here. You, you can't go in the middle. Not safely. Are you following me? God has brought you to the why. A choice between following Him and following yourself. With every head bowed and eye closed, I want to ask today, how many have trusted Jesus as your Savior? Would you raise your hand if you have trusted Him as your Savior? Praise the Lord. How many today would raise your hand just like I did so many years ago? And I raised my hand and told my Sunday school teacher, no, I don't know for sure that I'm saved. I'm on the wrong road. Would you raise your hand if that's you? If if you died today, are you on that wrong road? Would you just raise your hand while I look around here? Is there anyone like that? Just raise it up high so that I can see that you've raised your hand. And then you can put your hand down. Anybody like that here just a moment? I'm not asking if you're a church member. I'm not asking today if, if you have somehow tried to be a better person. I'm not asking that at all. I'm asking today, have you trusted Him as your Savior? Is anybody here that says, no, I haven't. I'm concerned about it. I'm not, I'm not seeing anyone right now. I may be overlooking you. And if so, I want to invite you to come. There's men, and, men here and ladies that have a Bible that would like to show you how that you can be saved. Is there anyone here today that would say, "Brother, well, God, pray for me because I've not been the kind of disciple that I know He expects"? Would you raise your hand if that's you today? God bless you. I see your hand. Yes, indeed. Yep. Dear God, for every hand that was raised right there, You've called them to decision. You've called all of us to decision. There is not a middle ground, Lord. Our minds can be affected by the ideas around us, and even our own personal desires. And God, I know what seems to be restricting, and it is, but really leads to life, and an abundant life, not just eternal life, but as I see, as you said in John 10, that, that you've come, that they might have life, and might have it even more abundantly, and you're the door of the sheep. So God, thank you for inviting us in. I pray for anyone here today that may be watching by live stream too i just thought of that lord that there may be someone right now that that you've been speaking to them about their need of salvation i pray where they are in their home or wherever they are they'd humble themselves and call upon you to be their savior i pray for those here i pray that you'd help us god we want to be your disciple but you call us to humble ourselves and to live in a very narrow way And that's not what we want to do naturally. So we ask, seek and knock, that you might help us. In Jesus' name, amen.